Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. So I think we should all pay our gratitude to Vic Fangio, John Elway, and the Broncos for saving Broncos country from having their weekend ruined because of what was unfolding in Kansas City. So it served as a necessary, needed distraction so that we wouldn't focus on that since we're not focusing on that to lead off this podcast. But instead the shocking and surprising big and bold move to replace Rich Scangarello with Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, it's uh um here we we were expecting to do our our post game recap, uh review the games from from the weekend. It's divisional divisional weekend, one of the funnest weekends in football uh aside from the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs ruined it for everybody, especially Broncos country. And, was it the Chiefs that ruined it or the Texans? We well, can get into that. We will. We will get into that, and that's a that's a good question. But I think that uh, what what we're happy about being able to do is talk about an off season move that the Broncos made. And you're right; it's big, it's bold, and and I think the the most important part of it is that it's it's a decisive move. Uh, Vic Fangio, as the head coach, came in, and and you can tell that 
uh, he has a certain grasp or a certain control of this franchise as far as uh, what he wants to do, what he envisions. And this was a move that that I think that he and 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 likely John Elway sat down and they said, you know, we we need to move in a, a direction that's going to make the offense better. And uh, perhaps what the thought here is, and this is something that might be uh, a, a better debate for some for some other people, but it's something I want to bring up now. Perhaps the thought here is that the, the Broncos offense has to become more innovative and it has to become newer. And, and Rich Scangarello was really running an offense that, yes, Kyle Shanahan is running a, a version of that offense in San Francisco and they're off to the NFC Championship game. Uh, and, and yes, it's a version of the offense that Mike Shanahan ran for a long time in Denver and other places. And it, and, and it sort of is a, a branch of that tree and yada, yada, yada. But it, it isn't it isn't an offense that really is going to have a lot of success in today's NFL. Maybe maybe that is something that that you're getting from Vic Fangio here that we need to become not just better on on the offensive side of the football but m- explosive in a way that's going to be a lot of points, uh, a lot of movement of the ball and and I just I think that he didn't see that from Rich Scangarello and so he was ready to move on. And a guy like Pat Shermer hits the market who Yes, he struggled as a head coach, and, and you can scratch your head at some of the things that he did in, in New York with the Giants. But as an offensive coordinator, and this was what you how you sold me on him, because I was one of those head-scratcher people when we were talking uh, and texting back and forth about it. It's the success he's had as an offensive coordinator is is what should make you happy about this move. And it's not just the success as a coordinator, but his development of quarterbacks. He developed Nick Foles. He developed Sam Bradford. He developed Case Keenum. Case Keenum, you remember, with the whole Minneapolis miracle and the way that he played in that 2017 season with the Vikings is why John Elway threw money at Case Keenum. His offensive coordinator was Pat Shermer. So we can thank Pat Shermer for John Elway throwing money at Case Keenum. But it shows they're thanking him by hiring him. There's also the development of Daniel Jones. And a lot of people will look at the success of the Giants and say, well, yeah, but he didn't really do anything in terms of wins. But he did develop Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, to my recollection, had 26 touchdown passes to 14 interceptions. It's a pretty good stat. And they, they threw over 70 pass attempts of 20 yards. So attempts was into the 70s of over 20 yards. The Broncos had nowhere near that many. Yes, it was a much So you're going to see number. you're going to see the Broncos start to be more aggressive and that, I I think that's the word to throw out. When I talk about those 28 those those attempts of 20 yards or more, the Giants had 73, the Broncos had 45. I mean that right there is is a, a pretty important stat to look at, and we we talked before the season. I remember uh, we were somewhat excited about Joe Flacco being the Broncos' quarterback because of the chuck and pray abilities that Joe Flacco had, and this idea that he was going to be able to do that with Cortland Sutton, and that was going to be a, an advantage for the Denver Broncos' offense. 
it, it never really materialized. It started to, I think, a little bit towards the end of the season with Drew Lockett quarterback. They, they took advantage of it a little bit more. Uh, Cortland Sutton had an incredible season with three different quarterbacks. I, I think that what you are going to get now, though, is an actual offense that utilizes its weapons in a way that will be uh, advantageous to, to the way that the NFL is played today. Big play, big play capabilities, uh, big big plays in general with with guys like Cortland Sutton, and I think it'll open the field up for for a guy like Philip Lindsay. There's still a lot of question marks about what they're going to do with some of the pieces on offense, but this is this is a move that that says we're going we're not going to tolerate mediocrity or less than mediocrity. We're we're and we're not going to be patient. I, I I think that's the other thing. It's not a, it's not a move about patience, and I and I mentioned to you before we recorded consistency and how that was a concern for me. That you you know when you're impatient, you you lose that consistency, and and so for Drew Locke, I, I think what is it? This is his going to be his fifth offensive coordinator in five years. Uh, this is one of those things that the Broncos' offensive coordinator has changed every year for the last three years. So guys like Philip Lindsay and and Cortland Sutton, I might be wrong on every year for the last three years, but they've had those those constant changes, and you don't get any consistency, and and that was a concern for me. And your point that you made, which I think is really a, a solid point, was the way you get consistency here is by finding something that works and getting somebody in like a Pat Shermer who will stick around and remain through certain aspects of success and that that might be where you get your consistency it's a really interesting take i liked it this is actually the fifth offensive coordinator for the broncos in five years so the the reason that i that i'm on board with it i have no idea if it will be a success or not but i like the move just because of how bold and big it is it shows like you said that they're not going to accept mediocrity the Broncos were the arguably one of the worst offenses in football. As Mike Kliss pointed out in his story, they were the only offense to rank in the bottom of the major statistical categories. Bottom five. In, bottom five. In the four most important four, statistical categories. Yep. All yeah. So points, yards, third down percentage, and red zone percentage. That's arguably the worst in football so it, it wasn't anything that was succeeding that you could put your hat on and say yeah we we saw some evidence of it and even if you look at the last five games for drew lock they averaged less yards per game than they did before drew lock took over they averaged a few more points per game but it wasn't good enough that's that's basically the point of this move is that it wasn't good enough and i think that there was some budding of heads amongst the coaching staff and the players with Rich Scangarello, as some have alluded to throughout the course of the season. And it was actually reported by some, Benjamin Albright, one of them, that there was some conflict. A little, little bit of friction some, there in the coaching room. Exactly. There is a lack of agreement. And I think that is epitomized by that call at the end of the Chargers-Broncos game to go for it. To go to chuck it up to Cortland Sutton and draw the offensive pass interference penalty. Rich Scangarello didn't want to do it. Vic Fangio overruled him. I think when you look at, at key moments, that's one of the biggest ones to show that they weren't on the same page. 
And you need to be on the same page as a head coach and a coordinator. You know that Ed Donatello and Vic Fangio are going to be on the same page. They've worked together for years. Now you're going to start to hopefully get that with Pat Shermer now. And as I said to you before we started recording, another reason I like it is one of the things that Broncos country was worried about with a young offensive coordinator like Rich Scangarello was if he succeeded, he'd be nabbed as a head coach. He would move on to become a head coach, and he wouldn't be here that long to develop Drew Locke, to, to get his offense in place. So you'd have to get a new guy in here to replace Scangarello anyway. By bringing in Pat Shermer, who in his two coaching stints has been basically like Wade Phillips on offense, where he's a great coordinator, not a very good head coach. Pat Shermer isn't going to be looking for a head coaching job now. He's going to be the Broncos' offensive coordinator. And the other thing that ties it all together, where you can get excited, is he wanted Drew Locke. I think that's the main reason he is in Denver as the offensive coordinator, is he wanted Drew Locke. He wanted to coach Drew Locke. He wanted to develop Drew Locke. He wanted to work with Drew Locke. Now he's going to get that. If I'm Drew Locke, that fires me up. Especially when you look at what Pat Shermer has been able to do with the likes of Nick Foles, who hasn't really of dollars. He made he made a lot of money, but he is now trailing Gardner Minshew. Yeah, sitting behind Gardner Minshew on the old depth chart in in Jacksonville isn't isn't exactly where he expected to be. But uh, yeah, but that's why you can get excited is because he's going to be here now. That's where you get your consistency. That's where you're going to be able to get some stability now. And I think in terms of coaching trees, you mentioned Rich Scangarello as a part of Kyle Shanahan, which is a part of Mike Mike Shanahan. Pat Shermer has worked with Andy Reid and Chip Kelly. So to be a branch of that, hopefully he's, he, he'll be able to take what he did with the Giants and then take what he did with the Vikings and see what – Andy Reid has done in Kansas City and add some of the same elements. Yeah, I think that one of the things that make this an exciting move, and, and you mentioned it, is it's it's about when it comes to a coaching room, it, it's about coaches being not necessarily yes men. Like I, I don't I don't think you want a coach, you don't want your offensive coordinator if he's not the head coach, or if he, if it's the, a defensive coach who is the also the head coach. You don't want them necessarily being just yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You want them to have their own ideas about how things should work. But you do want them to be able to, when a game is on the line, agree on things like we're going to go for it on this play. We're not just going to take a knee or we're not just going to, you know, that that's the kind of thing that you want your offensive coordinator to be as aggressive as the head coach wants him to be, even when the head coach might be wrong. I, I think that that's another thing that Vic Fangio is a defensive coach. Vic Fangio has been a defensive coordinator for years and years and years and years and years and finally got his shot. And as a head coach, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to make things happen on the field. If your offensive coordinator isn't going to go with you on that, that makes life very difficult. So this move to get rid of Rich Scangarello and bring in a guy who I think is going to be a lot more aggressive on the offensive side of the football that's going to match Vic Fangio's style and what he wants to see from the offense a lot more. So it's frustrating that you have to watch the Broncos go through changing. I think the, the initial reaction for myself was, 
I don't like it because it's too much movement, right? We've, we've, we, we need to settle in a little bit. That's a very surface level immediate reaction to it. And that was my very surface level immediate reaction. You do a little bit of a, a dive into who Pat Shermer is, and you can certainly find things that you don't like about him, especially in the last couple of years with what he did with the New York Giants and the fact that they had Saquon Barkley, and he probably didn't go to Saquon Barkley enough. I mean, that's that's one of those things. You got Saquon Barkley giving the ball. But if you go into his coordinator years and you look at what he's been able to do as a coordinator, this is a move that makes a lot of sense. There is no reason for the Denver Broncos and John Elway and Vic Fangio to sit on an offensive coordinator and stay in an offense that has proven, at least in Denver, to be ineffective, to be ineffectual. And so you make the move and you make that decisive move to go out and and say, we're improving and this is one of the things we have to do to improve. There are several things that Denver has to do on offense to improve. Offensive line, perhaps another running back, perhaps uh, you know, bringing in a, a, another weapon at wide receiver. You, you could probably go down the list and find things that they need to do to improve. Another big part that had to change, especially based just on the success that they had in 2019, which was very little, is they had to change at the coordinator place, at the coordinator position, and they, they went and did it. They made the move that they had to make. I think it was about philosophy. I think it was about approach. I think Vic Fangio wanted somebody to be aggressive. He wants somebody who has proven to be aggressive. And Pat Shermer is aggressive, as shown by that statistic on pass attempts of over 20 yards. You need to be aggressive. And Vic, and Vic Fangio has said from his season-ending news conference, he wants to be aggressive and score points. That is the most important thing for this team to do. You know the defense is there. Teams don't score against the Broncos. They were the number one red zone defense in the National Football League. It's being able to score points now, and that's how you beat the Chiefs. You have to be able to keep up with the Chiefs. Well, because that that's the that's the that's the litmus test in the AFC West is the Chiefs. And to be able to keep up with the Chiefs, you have to score points. Yeah. And and Pat Shermer is the beginning of changing that philosophy and having that approach and mindset for this organization. And I think it's also going to be shown in the moves they make in the offseason and in the draft, which we will get into on our next podcast, a little segue about what we want to see the Broncos do over the course of the offseason. They've started that offensively by changing the philosophy, changing the approach, changing the mindset. Honestly, they, they actually started that by doing something that nobody thought they were going to do, that nobody saw coming, and will hopefully, and, and my guess is likely, end up being exactly the best move. I did want to point out, you, you mentioned the Chiefs being the litmus test. As far as litmus tests go, the Chiefs scored 23 points and 30 points against the Broncos. Uh, that's... The 23-pointer the was in the snow. That probably slowed them down. The 30-pointer was that weird, fluky, uh, was that Thursday night game in prime time. They need to put up points to, 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 beat the Bronc- to beat the Chiefs, and they scored a collective nine in those two games. It was nine to 53 if you want to add it up and do a little math there. You have to score points. And I, I think that they will 
defensively figure out a way to kind of continue to contain uh, Patrick Mahomes as much as you can in that offense. But this, this is the move that helps them score the points that they need to stay in those games and to be competitive. So I'm all for it. I let, Let's do it. Let's, let's jump in. You might as well. And I'm not saying that it's going to succeed. I, I have no idea. But I, I, I like the boldness of the move. I like I like the the fact that they made the move. There's no point in sitting on something and delaying the inevitable. I've always been one of those people who has felt like if you know the move to make, make it. Don't sit on it. Don't wait. Just cut the cord and move on. And they did that. And it and it's a testament to Vic Fangio. And I, I like that approach. And I like the fact that they want to be aggressive. They know what they want. Now they're going to win it. So we'll see over the course of the offseason how that plays out and what it means in terms of success on the field once they get onto the field for OTAs and then mini camp and then training camp. But this is a step in the right direction to finally fixing the Broncos offense. You have your quarterback. Now you have an offensive coordinator who has proven to be aggressive and wants to attack. Yeah, I love it. All right, we, we probably should talk a little bit about the actual football that was played uh, over the course of the weekend. It was a fun weekend of, of football watching. Although, let, let, let me point out a couple of things here. Uh, Ian predicted that this would be the weekend of blowouts. He was pretty spot on on that. Uh, you also predicted that Green Bay and Seattle would be the closest game of the week. Uh, absolutely spot on on that. And the only thing that we really got wrong as a... Uh, as a podcast was the outcome of the Houston Kansas City game, which I, I, I don't know. Do we want to start there, or should we should we hold off on that? Because that one is just it 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 just continues to to boggle the mind how they were able to just totally blow that entire game when they had it in their hands and and were capable of winning right then and there. I'm going to contest your assertion that we the, the only thing we got wrong was the Chiefs and the Texans. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. I, I, I think it was the Ravens and the Titans. I was, cl- I was clouded. I was clouded I, I think we both, game. we both had a feeling that the Chiefs would win, but there was no way we were going to actually predict the Chiefs to win. I pretty much talked myself into Houston beating the Chiefs. I was I was really high on Deshaun Watson and was, was pretty excited about their chances. And... and I was pretty excited. I was even more excited about their chances about a quarter into the game and was pretty much ready to turn it off and say, let's find something else to do because this is over. I'm I'm glad I didn't turn it off. No, I wish I had turned it off and not watched the rest of the game. That's what I wish would have happened. Why don't we uh, take a, an ode from Vic Fangio and just get this painful one out of the way? I think that Titans or the, the Texans Chiefs game came down to two plays. Not going forward on fourth and one. Instead, they kick a field goal to go up 24-0. And then that absolutely absurd Andy Reid-esque decision to do a fake punt on your own 31-yard line when the Chiefs just scored a touchdown and flipped momentum. Then you all but guaranteed you were going to lose that game when you don't pick up that fake punt from your own 31. It's just how Bill Bryan has not been fired yet I have no idea, but it's because there's no one to hold him accountable. There's no GM. The owner just died. So there's no one to hold Bill O'Brien accountable. (laughs) 
little more compassion next time in the in the. I'm sorry. The I am so so so. <laughs> no, no. Effing pissed off about what happened in that in that Chiefs game because if they go up twenty eight nothing, the game is over. Oh yeah. I, I, he 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 out Andy Reeded Andy Reed. He was the most Andy Reediest of the Andy Reed coaches on that field. He he essentially said, "You you think you can Andy Reed this game, Andy Reed? I am going to Andy Reed it better than you have ever Andy Reeded a game before in your entire life." And he did. I, I think that there were a couple things that didn't uh, didn't help. The fumble on that kickoff return after the touchdown that essentially hands the Chiefs the ball on the five-yard line. And maybe it was the 10-yard line, wherever they... I mean, here, score another touchdown. They scored three touchdowns in a matter of what felt like 12 seconds. And so you kind of get shell-shocked in a way that I think coaches panic and players panic and they feel like they need to do more than they really need to do. You're right. That fake punt was awful it was a terrible decision they never should have done it but the way that the Chiefs put up points and this is what we were talking about with Pat Shermer and the need to put up points for the Broncos and how important it is the way the Chiefs put up points in bunches and quickly and and just rapid fire you start to go I have to do something crazy I have to I have to do an onside kick when it's not necessary, or I have to fake punt, or I'm going to have my kicker throw a pass. Like, no, you don't need to do crazy stuff. You need to stay within yourself. And Bill O'Brien, for as much as we love him for his shouting across the field at Vance Joseph, uh, way to go, Vance, you dumb. The He is the type of coach that is prone to panic more than almost any other coach I have ever seen, including Andy Reid. And it's not about clock management, and it's not about just making bad play calls. It's This is about panicking very early, and that's what that fake punt was to me. It was a panic move. He realized that he was losing his grip on the game and decided that he needed to lose it even faster by fake punting. Faking a punt. I think, I think that the fumbled kickoff is just the coup de grace of stupid mistakes and stupid decisions by Bill O'Brien and the Texans. Because none of that happens if you go forward on fourth and one and pick up a first down. He said he didn't have the, the right play. Well, you're the offensive coordinator. Choose the right effing play. Yeah, that's, you, And you have, a, you, you have a mobile quarterback. You should be able to pick up a first down on fourth and one. Yeah, just ask Lamar Jackson. Oh, Oh, that Ooh, wasn't snap. Wasn't that. As I tweeted after that game with a with a, a perfect Joey gift from friends with what happened in the in the AFC divisional round against the Ravens in 2013, the 2012 season, I'm not even sorry. Yeah, not sorry. I'm not even sorry. And I and and I get it. And I feel bad. My son is a huge Lamar Jackson fan, and so he was rooting very hard for the Ravens. And I I I'm sitting there doing doing my level best to not sort of smile my way through that game, but it was kind of fun to watch Derrick Henry just manhandle everybody. Uh, the 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 tweet from whoever it was that sent it out about Derrick Henry turning Earl Thomas into his lead blocker that is that was 
Mwah, it was perfect. It was such a good, such a good tweet. And I don't, I don't know how we shifted from Kansas City to to Baltimore, but I mean, I guess we could. Everybody knows what happened in the Kansas City Houston game. Houston choked a twenty-four to nothing lead, and Kansas City rolled them fifty-one to thirty-one. Is that that? Did I cover it? I think the the only thing that we have, we should mention here is feel for John McClain who has been a, a football writer in Houston for longer than either of us have been alive, he has now covered the two most epic and historic playoff collapses in NFL history. He was in Buffalo for the Oilers' collapse to Frank Reich, and now he was in Kansas City for the the, the Texans' version of that. And I think what's what's funny is at least – with the Texans or the Oilers and the Bills is at least it waited until the second half. Like at least it took to the third quarter. The Texans lost their 24 point lead before halftime. You know, it, it, it strikes me as actually interesting. The other game that he covered, I would assume he covered and you can maybe correct me on this is the drive two. Oh yeah. He was there. So he's he he he's maybe maybe he's bad luck. Maybe he needs to get out of Houston. <laughs> but in terms of I I, I my wife is uh, I, I think she's a Lamar Jackson fan because she, he helped her win fantasy football. So I Me she'll now well. forever she'll forever be a Lamar Jackson and a Ravens fan, which I just threw up in my mouth. Not because of Lamar Jackson, because of the Ravens. I just. When you have a statue of Ray Lewis outside of your stadium, ugh. Anyway, what the Titans did to the Ravens, I I get all the talk that the Ravens were rusty and why did John Harbaugh pull a Mike Shanahan a la 1995 against the Jacksonville Jaguars and give his team basically three weeks off. The Titans beat the crap out of the Ravens. Yeah, that's the nicest way to say it. I, I mean, it was it was watching a a man beat up a child. It was uh, it, it was well, a, a Tyreek Hill reference. It was a, maybe perhaps a, a small Tyreek Hill reference. I I really wanted to talk about the Nakatomi Plaza incident with John McClain, but I guess we don't need to 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 mention that he covered that as well. So we'll leave that alone. And then perhaps we should mention that there is a knife underneath the statue at uh, of Ray Lewis outside of the stadium in Baltimore. It's a small. He's knife. also wearing a white suit. He's got a white suit on with a little knife that's buried underneath there. So there's all of that. But Derrick Henry is the one who really committed murder in, uh, in this weekend because he absolutely killed Baltimore's defense. And he might be, and, and we talked about this a little bit, he might be the best chance. Broncos country is sitting here today. You're help me help me Derrick Henry, you're my only hope. He is the best chance that that we all have of avoiding having to watch the Kansas City Chiefs in a Super Bowl. I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to have to pay attention to that. And so we are now huge Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titan, Brian Tannehill fans. That's what we are. That's just where we that's where we live now. And when you look at the way the Titans have played, one thing that's gotten lost with how well Derrick Henry has played is how well that Titans defense has played. 
Dean Pease has come up with some remarkable game plans for that defense. And it's going to need to happen again in Kansas City against Andy Reid and the Chiefs. But if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's Dean Pease. I mean, he, he's been able... Even, well, they beat the Chiefs already when, this year. Think back to when he was in Baltimore. He did the same thing as the Ravens coordinator in that Super Bowl against the 49ers. And who was the 49ers offensive coordinator? Greg Roman. It's, so I, I think it's it's interesting to, to, to see what Dean Pease is going to be able to do against Andy Reid and former CU buff great Eric Bieniemy, who we can get into this maybe later in the offseason. How he is not a head coach yet is what is wrong with the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I can think of one reason why, and, and I think everybody knows exactly what I'm thinking of, so I'm not even going to get into it and I'm not even going to say it, but you're, but you're right about Dean Pease. And again, I'll, I'll say it one more time. The Tennessee Titans already beat the Kansas city chiefs this year. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be mistaken, but I feel like they have. So this could be a revenge tour for the chiefs. They, they beat Houston who beat them already this year as well, but I don't get the impression that this Tennessee Titans team is as much of a pushover as people might want them to be. And the, the Houston Texans, to me, the more that you think about it, they, they were manhandled by the Denver Broncos, which means that they were prone to games like this where they were going to lose in sort of epic fashion. I'm not saying that that makes them a, a worse team than the Broncos or makes them a bad team, just that they have this kind of game in their bag. Like, this is the type of stinker that they will sometimes come up with. And even being up 24 to nothing they had the ability and the head coach to go ahead and, and ruin their and everyone else's weekend. So the, the Titans beating Baltimore, while it was a bit of a shock uh, to many people's systems, I, I see this as the best opportunity for all of us to avoid having to watch the Chiefs play in a Super Bowl. And that really is maybe the most important thing. And, and, and that is what I am the most concerned about when it comes to the AFC. My wife wanted to ask the question. She asked me the question. Did the Ravens' loss increase the odds that Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl? What was the better scenario? Had the had the Ravens won or the Titans won? And I viewed it as, and you, we talked about this before the playoffs. The reason I wanted the New England Patriots to get the first round by was because they would have played the Tennessee Titans in the first round. And I thought that's the best matchup to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Because think back to two years ago, who beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead in the playoffs? Yeah, Tennessee the Titans. Titans. Yeah. With Marcus Mariota as the quarterback and Mike Malarkey as the head coach. Now I think you have a better head coach and Mike Vrabel. One who's certainly more committed to winning a Super Bowl. We can get into that. But you also still have Derrick Henry. And I do not think the Chiefs have the defense to stop Derrick Henry. I just don't. Even if Chris Jones is going is able to go, which he wasn't against the Texans on Sunday, even if he's able to go, the Chiefs defense can't stop Derrick Henry. Well, from and what, what they're going to have to the do, the only defense that can stop Derrick Henry is the Denver Broncos defense. That's exactly that's, that's what I can sort of 
gather from this season. Just saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut so, you off, but come on. What Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to do is he's going to have to load the box because if he doesn't, Derrick Henry is going to run all over that Chiefs defense. So that opens up Ryan Tannehill to do what he did against the Ravens, and that's hit Broncos training camp standout, Khalif Raymond, for deep touchdowns. I loved, I have to say, I loved all of the tweets about how the Broncos, like, oh, I wish the Broncos had a speed receiver. Oh, they did, and Khalif Raymond, like, like they were going to keep Khalif Raymond. I, I think we liked Khalif Raymond. He was he was good in training camp. He wasn't great. He certainly wasn't going to stick with the team. It, it was it was pure pettiness for people to to get sort of out of sorts about how, oh, he used to be on the Broncos. They really screwed that up. No, they didn't. They did exactly what they were supposed to do and cut the guy that wasn't wasn't going to fit with their with their team. It's just unfortunate that he goes and he and he has a good game against the the Ravens and scores what one touchdown he got, was that his only catch as well I <laughs> I think that was only Ryan Tannehill's only pass too <laughs> it might have been it was just it was just pure pettiness on the part of Broncos country and, and that's fine but get over yourselves that one was a little bit ridiculous the other reason to root for the Titans is former Broncos linebacker Wesley Woodyard is playing for the Titans so there's another reason to root for the Titans and root against the Chiefs we are all rooting. For the Titans. Yeah. And hopefully, like the Ravens, the Chiefs will remember the Titans. That's that's the hope. Now, as far as the NFC goes, because we didn't talk a lot about it, you've got San Francisco, you've pretty much handling Minnesota. Okay. You've got Oh, it, it, I I think that was the beat down of the weekend. I mean not score wise, but but just the way that Minnesota as, looked, they just looked as Ron Zapolo, as Ron Zapolo always used to say, the score doesn't indicate how bad the 49ers beat the Vikings. I mean, they, you want to talk about beating the crap out of a team? The 49ers did that to the Vikings. Holy they, smokes. They demoralized them. Although I am, I am sort of tired of the Richard Sherman, nobody respects us act like, Everybody respects you. You're one of the best defensive players in the NFL, and the 49ers are one of the best defenses in the NFL. Everybody respects you. S- stop it. <laughs> just, just stop it. You're, yeah, nobody, this isn't like the Broncos. This. It's not like the Broncos in Super Bowl 50 where literally everybody predicted the Broncos would lose all of their playoff games. Every every single one, every single time. You're absolutely right. So just, yeah, just just knock it off with that. That's I'm done with that. And then the best game of the weekend was the the Seattle Green Bay game. That was a fun game to watch. And we have said this before in the past. Seattle has a quarterback that is really fun to watch play football in Russell Wilson. Oh, it's maddening because I I, I hate the Rainy City bitch pigeons. I, I just I, I can't I can't stand them. But to watch Russell Wilson, he really is the closest thing, I think, to John Elway. The way that he's able to keep plays alive, the way that he'll just put a team on his back and carry them. He was the only thing the Seahawks had against the Packers. Literally the only thing they had. But Aaron Rodgers is something else. That throw he made to Devontae Adams on third down was perfection. It was perfection. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is is um the word that I think they use for guys like him is good. Really? 
really good. And he, he is uh, phenomenal. We're, we're living in a kind of a fun era with some, some really great players. And Aaron Rodgers, who, let's face it, he's probably on the, the backside. He's, he's playing the back nine right now in his career, which is, you know, maybe he's early in, in the back nine, but it is the back nine. Uh, in, enjoy that while you can, because it's fun to watch guys that are that good. And, and you're right, that throw was perfection. His ability to just be, he's, he's one of those guys that he just exudes cool and confidence. And I can't imagine having him be in the huddle and feeling like things were not going to go well. If I was a a player for the Packers, I would always feel pretty confident in things knowing that Aaron Rodgers was my quarterback. So it is going to be a fun championship weekend. We're going to have a a bit of a nail biter. I think all of Broncos country is going to be really focused on that uh, chiefs Titans game and very hopeful that we won't have to watch them lift the Lamar Hunt trophy. And that Green Bay-San Francisco game is going to be a fun game to watch as well. So we've got some fun stuff coming up. I think the key matchup is going to be that Robert Sala 49ers defense against Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers on offense because what Sala put forth against New Browns head coach Steven, Kevin Stefanski and the Vikings. I that will be that will be very interesting. There, that's another one of those matchups. I, I mentioned Dean Pease and and Andy Reid. That's another one to look for. And we are absolutely, positively all Titans fans. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.